Good morning, beloved. I trust you are well and uh, had a lovely weekend. We discussed several messages throughout this week, which I hope will be a blessing to you. But last week, Sunday, we began uh, teaching on the law of the spirit of life. And we said and discussed several thoughts presented to us in the word of God. And it is my belief that the entirety of the Christian world will not and cannot ascend into the heights of the reality brought to us by the Lord Jesus Christ unless certain truths and subjects in the Word of God are thoroughly discussed. And one of these subjects has to do with not only understanding the gift of God, but in assimilating and walking in that truth. The reason why I say this is because Too many ministers and preachers of the gospel have spent far less time excavating the wealth of truth and the reality that comes with it regarding the matter of eternal life. On one side, I wouldn't really blame them because of the human limitation and weakness that is in all of us. But I'm looking at the Word of God as presented to us in the scriptures. And we cannot justify the lack of teaching, the lack of knowledge and information missing from the pulpits 
regarding this matter because when we read through the scriptures, we realize that the idea behind the death of Jesus Christ was to create a pathway, a possibility for God himself to give mankind the gift of eternal life. And I don't understand why this message is not a priority among gospel ministers. Because the very foundation of the gospel tells us that for so God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. Have eternal life. Not in the future at the point at which he believes. He has it. He has eternal, not going to. In other words, the possession of eternal life comes at the point that one believes in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So this should be a priority because Jesus said, Jesus, he said, I have come that they may have life. This is the agenda of Christ, that we may have life. And this life is eternal life. So every believer today who believes in Jesus Christ has eternal life. Just raise up uh, volume, please. He has eternal life. So make no doubts, no questions about it. We have eternal life. Now, whether or not the experience of that life is a reality is a question we can ask later but what should be fundamentally accepted acknowledged by all of us in Christ is that we have eternal life to deny this reality given to us by the scripture is to deny the salvation that came by Jesus Christ and to deny his death. So foundationally, eternal life is at the center, is at the epicenter of Christianity. This is what differentiates and distinguishes Christianity from every other religion, is that we have eternal life. The promise of Christianity is not eternal life in the future, but eternal life now. That means there is already the eternal experience that every Christian should have and enjoy. Because Jesus said he came to bring it in abundance. So we began to discuss the reasonings, the idea, and the objective of God. And we said that really the death of Jesus was not the final thing. The death of Jesus really 
was a means to an end. It, it allowed God to fulfill his desires. God has a, had a desire that could not be fulfilled until Jesus died. So the death of Jesus Christ made possible what God actually wanted to do. So the scriptures open up this reality to us. And we read last week how, you know, I shared some things that really, on the surface, they look or seem superfluous. But when you begin reading the scriptures, you understand that it's true. It's truth. Hallelujah. We will read Romans chapter 8 from verse number 1. Uh, please. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because this is why they, there is no judgment. There is no judgment, no condemnation to those in Christ. Now, I said to you, the, the, the ancient scripts, the original scriptures do not contain who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. It was an inclusion by the translators, probably to make this entire chapter feel good or because of their own inability to accept the word of God as it is. Because Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Finality, that's it. Now, in case you're wondering, how can this be? Let me read a scripture in the same chapter. A scripture in the same chapter. He said, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justified. And listen to this. The, 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 the voiding, the voiding of condemnation. Look at, look at where the voiding of condemnation comes from. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. You see what voids condemnation? He says, it is the death of Jesus Christ. He says, who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died. Furthermore, is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God. Who also makes intercession for us. So, there is no condemnation. That means the only condemnation 
that is a reality to you is the one you accept. So the major problem in Christianity and what has been a hindrance to living the divine life, the eternal life, is, is actually not, not sin, but the consciousness of sin. The awareness of sin. Because as far as God is concerned, there is no sin problem. The sin problem had been dealt away with, with the death of Jesus Christ. Let, let me read you something. Let me read you something. Uh, Colossians, Colossians chapter number 2. And I want you to read this. He says, in him, verse 11, in him you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. He says, you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. He says, this is the circumcision, the circumcision that is the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh. And this happened by the circumcision of Christ. That means when Christ was circumcised, you were circumcised. And he's not referring to the circumcision of the foreskin. He's referring to the circumcision of the putting off of the body of the sins, of the flesh. Then listen to this. Buried with him in baptism. Now, this is Christ's realities. These are Christ's realities. And the adoption of this reality depends on our belief and our consciousness of them. So he says, buried with him in baptism, come man, man, man the camera, buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through faith. There it is. There it is. If you are wondering, how were you raised with Christ? He said, through faith. So you came into the reality that Christ, that Christ performed. In other words, when Jesus was being crucified, when Jesus was being buried, when Jesus died, he says, your faith has kalitra fanda. You were not there. But he says, you were buried with him. You were not there, but he says, you died with him. How is this so? He said, through faith. Through faith. He said, all this happens through faith. He says, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, when you have faith on him, the thing which he did for you, you in him actually went through. In the working of God, through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Verse 13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive, he made alive. Being dead, being dead, he made alive. He says, while you were dead, God made you alive. Oh my God. He, he has made alive together with him. Having forgiven. Hey, Masa. Having forgiven. He is not going to forgive. 
He is not forgive. God is not in the forgiving business. I don't think you heard me. I don't think you heard me. Because you suppose that when you do wrong, God forgives you. No, he's forgiven you. He said, having forgiven you all your trespasses. That means trespasses in the past. The trespasses in the present. Even trespasses you have not yet performed, they are forgiven. Now, there are certain group of ministers and Christians that would hear this and say, this is blasphemy. But I didn't write the Bible. I'm reading from the same Bible that you have. And this Bible says that God has forgiven me all. All. No, 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 no. You are making, you are giving people a license to sin. Well, if they are sinning and they are still going to sin, those sins are still forgiven. It doesn't change the fact. The Bible says, he says, little children, I write to you that you, you do not sin. But if you sin, in case you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. I didn't write the Bible. I'm not making this thing up. He says, even Jesus Christ. Who is the propitiation of sins? Not only of ours, but who? Of the entire world. So God has already cleared the records of mankind. Every record of sin has been cleared. Focus, please focus. I said, man, this thing. When I move, move along. When I do this, move along. Don't just let it stand stationary there because now it's going to get out of frame. Let, let me find myself always in frame. Hallelujah. So there is no sin that you're going to commit that God has not already forgiven. Yes, when did he forgive? Listen, it would be impossible for you to inherit any, any, any of the blessings that came with the death of Jesus Christ if God had not forgiven each and every single sin of yours. If he had not even made account of sins that you are still going to commit. Because you don't lose eternal life even when you sin, do you? Why? And the only reason why you don't lose it the only reason why you don't lose it is because you have been forgiven. Now, the only exception is that you do not turn against God. You do not trample the, 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 son of, the, 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 the sacrifice of the Son of God, the blood of the Son of God, a food. You do not do that. That is the only exception. Right? That after you have come into the knowledge of the truth, and the knowledge there refers to the, epignos the epignosis of, of, of the truth, the epignosis of Christ, the full and accurate knowledge. And it's very rare that all, it's unlikely that all of us have reached that level. Ah, glory to God. Having forgiven all trespasses, all trespasses, verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirement that was against us. He's talking about the dogma, the decree, the law, the letter of the law, of, of the requirements that were against us. He says, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it 
to the cross. Having disarmed, oh, suffer, Helahaskavi, having, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. There is nothing to judge us. Everything that could have judged you, Jesus dealt with. The law, he, he nailed it to the cross. The principalities and powers, the adversary, he stripped of his power. Everything that were to stand in judgment against you, he has written it off. It's right there. The handwriting, he said, he took it away and nailed it to the cross. The principalities and the powers, he made a public, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. Then he says, so let no one judge you. <laughs> let no one judge you. What you are being judged and condemned by is sin consciousness. It's not God. He says, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts. God is not the one condemning. It's your heart. It's your own heart. Is, is your conscience revealing to you the error of your ways? Even when Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit, he didn't say he condemns, he convicts. The Spirit never condemns, he convicts. He says he convicts the world because they do not believe. Not condemns, convicts, hallelujah. So he says, there is therefore now no condemnation. No judgment. There is no judgment to those who are in Christ. That means Christ is more than just a person. Christ is a location. Christ is a location that severs you that immunifies you from condemnation, from judgment. That's why the great white throne will not be faced by any Christian because all those Christians will be in Christ. Because in Christ there is no judgment. There is no condemnation. So many of, of, of God's people talk about, talk, about, talk about the judgment day in, in reference to Christians. And, and the Bible doesn't say that it's judgment day. It calls it Bima. Bima refers to the, 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 the rewarding of works. And there is therefore now no condemnation. That means even your own sins cannot condemn you. And Paul says, shall we continue to sin that the grace of God may abound? He says, then God forbid. Because we are not under the law that we should be what? Slaves to sin. We are under grace. And sin shall not have dominion over us. But why? Why are, are Christians so, so oppressed by sins? I'll tell you. They have not yet assimilated 
They have not yet reckoned themselves alive to God. What do you mean, sir? Let me try and explain it to you. Let me read you verse 2. Hallelujah. Verse 2 of Romans chapter 8. It reads thus. He says, Because there is no judgment for those here in Christ, because the law of the spirit of life. The law of the spirit of life. That means eternal life is governed by a law. In the same way that sin is governed by a law. And as long as you adhere to the law of sin, you will continue to be a slave to it. So the problem is that many have not yet adhered to the law of the spirit of life. What is the law of the spirit of life? The law of the spirit of life is the law that administrates, facilitates the zoe of God in the believer. And he says this law operates in Christ. So Christ himself, Christ himself is the law of the spirit of life. Remember the Bible tells us that in him was life. In him was life. In him. That means he, life ex does not exist. Life does not have any existence outside of Christ. Outside of him. If life were to exist outside of him like a fish that is removed out of its territory, it will die because life outside him cannot survive. So there is a law within him that keeps life operational, that keeps aware operational. You must understand, God is greater than the life that he gives. The life that he gives finds its origin, finds its source from him. Do you understand that? So, so to, say, to say life doesn't make God, God makes life. <laughs> God makes life. He makes Zoe what it is. He makes eternal life what it is. So the Bible tells us that, that, that in him was life. That life exists only in him you don't find it anywhere else that means the only way to him he says i am the way i am the truth glory to god i am the life i am the what you seek i am that's what he's saying you are looking for life you you have to have me because if you don't have me you can't have the life that means you cannot have life without jesus If that is the case, the pathway, the gateway, the access code into the eternals, into the eternity is Jesus Christ. And if that life is not operational in you, my brother, my sister, you cannot find any domain in him. So he says, for the law, the law of the spirit, the law of the spirit the law of the spirit the spirit of life what spirit are you operating by 
Because it says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And the problem is that many of God's people are operating the law of sin and death. And I said to you, and I don't think many of you heard me, I said to you that the law of the spirit of life is activated through the power of the mind. Oh, let's read chapter 6. Let's read Romans chapter 6. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Romans chapter 6. Verse number one. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Listen to, listen to the context. He says you have died. We have died to sin. How then can we live any longer in it? Or do you not know? Do you see that? Or do you not know that as many as of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just, listen, that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory, just as Jesus Christ was raised by the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Even we should walk in newness of life. Huh? Huh? We should walk in the newness, <laughs> newness of life. He's talking about the quality of Zoe. The state of Zoe. He said, in the same way that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, in the same way, we too should walk in the newness of life. How? How? Listen to this. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing that, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, your old man is dead. Your old man does not exist. Your old man is dead. He does not exist. But why do you find yourself battling with the law of sin and death? It is because of the record of him that exists in your mind. What continues to exasperate the reality of that which was dead is the image that is still in your mind. When you record a video, 10 days may elapse and you can still go back to that video. But days have passed. But you can relive those moments. Even though, even though days have elapsed, it is the same way. Your life in the old man has been crucified, but, but its record is retained. So the true hindrance to the newness of life is, is, not, 
is not the spirit, it's the mind. And it is what the flesh is using to continue the exercising of strength and lording over your spirit. So listen to what he says. He says, he says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. We should no longer. But that doesn't mean that we are not slaves. Then listen to what he says. For he who has died has been freed from sin. For now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we, we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. If death no longer has dominion over him, that means sin should no longer have dominion over us. Then listen to what he says. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Mm. Then listen to what he says in verse 11. Likewise, in the same way that he lives the life he lives unto God, he says, likewise, you also reckon, reckon mm, yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. He says, this is how you step into, you step into the life that Jesus is living by God. He says, likewise, you must reckon yourself. You must reckon. Now, the, the Greek word there, Reckon yourself is an accounting word. Is logizomai. Is logizomai. Logizomai is an accounting word. It means to, 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 to count yourself. To regard yourself. He says, reckon yourself. It, it, this is a computational thing. It's a computing that must be done in the mind. And it must be done by you. He says, you reckon yourselves indeed to be dead to sin that means tell yourself i am dead to sin there is nothing more god needs to do the deliverance that men are seeking from their sins it, it, it has to do with the compute computing of of the reality brought to us by christ he says indeed your old man was crucified so what do you do my old man is crucified that means you should count yourself as dead to sin. And, and he says, not only that, he says, count yourself dead to sin, but alive unto God in the same dimension in which Jesus is alive. In the same way in which Jesus is alive, he says, reckon yourself alive to God. He didn't say pray about it. I told you, the problem in Christianity is that we substitute prayer for principles that have nothing to do with it. Question, the Ethiopian man, did he pray for salvation? He asked, he asked Philip, what is it that should stop me from being saved? And Philip said to him, if you believe, he said, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And he was baptized and he was saved. There was no prayer. There was no, oh God, save me. Oh wretched man that I am, forgive me for my sins. And in the same way here, he says, reckon yourself. That means until you do that computing, he says, there is no way you will continue to experience the newness of life. Because the newness of life is experienced through the reckoning 
That means you've got to divorce sin and its reality in your mind. So the problem is a sin consciousness. So until we deal with that sin consciousness, we can never really ascend to Zoe and life consciousness. Because that's where the setting of our mind should be. If indeed you have died with Christ, set your mind on things above. That means it's a programming that must be done by you to get your mind to be where Jesus Christ is. And until that reckoning is done, you can never live the life that God wants for you. You can never live the eternal life. You can never live the divine life. You can never live the God life. Even though this is what you received. For as many as believed on him, he gave the power to become the sons of God. Born not according to the will of the flesh, nor of man, but indeed by God himself. Oh my God. So he says the law of the spirit of life has made me free. The law of the spirit of life has made me, I am free. That means if the law of sin and death has no reins, have no hold over you, has no number on you, that means you should not die. Because the only reason why people die is because of the law of sin and death. The only reason why people fall into diseases, why demons, demons afflict or oppress them is because of the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is what gives demons license to ravage the lives of men. But if the law of the spirit of life has freed you from that, that means you are exempted, you are disqualified from being oppressed by devils. You are disqualified from dying. That means if you were ever to come before death, death must deny you. Because that would say there is no law in you that should, that should let me take a hold of you. So we, we adhere to the laws that exist in the spirit world, the law of sin and death, the law of the mind, the law of God, the law of the spirit, we adhere to them and bring them into operation through the process of logizomai. Logizomai. That means if you tell yourself, that's what the Bible says. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. He says, tell yourself you are alive to God. When you wake up in the morning, tell yourself you have zoe. It says, reckon yourself. That means if, if, if you have that consciousness, look at, look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were men that did not have the love, the spirit of life in them. But these were men that believed in God, in the ability and power of God. And when Nebuchadnezzar tried to cause them to compromise, they said, oh king, let it be known, we will not bow to your gods. And my God, in Nebuchadnezzar, got so angry that he told them to make the fire seven times hot. But those three young boys says, it doesn't matter. You can make it as hot as you want. We will still not bow. And if our God decides not to save us, we will still not bow. And my God, lo and behold, the Bible says they took him. And the man who took them, before they even entered into the fire, the fires ravaged them. But the, those boys were unravaged. They were unravaged before they entered into the fire. The fourth man was in the fire. 
So you can't say it was the fourth man. No, it was their belief in the power of God. And, and when God, when faith in God meets the external adversities of life, I'll tell you who will win. His faith in God every day, all the time. And they brought them in. The Bible says when they entered in, he said the shackles that were tied with, they loosed. And the Bible says this, my brother, my sister, the Bible says they, 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 they entered into the fire until Nebuchadnezzar was shot because he put three men there but he saw four and these men the smoke the smell of the fire did not come on their clothes they were unscathed what is the layer that protected them I will tell you I will tell you what it is it is faith they believed in God and because they believe you must understand the Lord faith in the same way that you died with Christ before you were alive these men began to tap into the possibility of the divine life of the divine power before it was made available how do you explain Enoch not dying the Bible says he walked with God and was not because God took him in, in, in Hebrews the Bible says he did not see death how do you explain Elijah going up into heaven alive alive these men tap into the principle of the Lord the spirit of life in Christ Jesus they contemplated God they contemplated light they contemplated life to the point where their whole spirit and body was flooded with this energy and this earth cannot contain them they could traverse the dimensions they could move between the spirit and the physical without any 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 struggle why it is the law of the spirit of life tapped into by the reckoning the computing the logismite process that takes place when a man begins to adopt a belief a conviction in God in his word that 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 as as Jesus is so am I We have not gotten to the point in our faith, in our belief, and there's no reason why. John said, I write to you that you may know and believe that you have eternal life. Because sometimes we read, but because we reject knowledge, we reject knowledge, we reject belief in the reality of God, we choose the reality that has brought perpetuality of suffering and forsake the one that God has brought to us. Divine life is a choice. It is for the law of the spirit, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus had made me free, had made me hatha koshalade, liprahata, has made me free. From the law of sin, my God, my God, my God, my God. From the law of sin and death. No wonder Paul said, oh death, where is, where is your sting? There's no reason to fear anymore. Because the one who through our entire lifetime has held us in subjection to fear of death has been destroyed by the law of the spirit it's a law it's a law and you adhere to laws 
you follow laws. You fall, glory to God. You follow laws. He says, let, let's read it, let's read it. Let's read it. He says, therefore, we were buried. Uh, no, no, no. Chapter, chapter 8. My God, my God, my God. Then listen, listen. He says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. You see that? The law was weak through the flesh. God did. What the law could not do, God did it. God did it. By sending his own son, in the likeness of sin and flesh, in, of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So every time you're faced with this question, you should ask yourself, did Jesus condemn sin in the flesh? Did Jesus overcome death? Did Jesus defeat sin? Did Jesus defeat principalities and powers? That defeat, that overcoming is is credited to you. The Bible says we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Hallelujah. Glory. Lift up your hands right now and bless the Lord. Oh, Santra Giza la Bashanda. Lepranze Gridiza la Shanda Gridila. We reckon ourselves indeed dead, dead, dead. Manta Boko Shata unto sin. Hallelujah. That we may walk in the newness of life. To be alive in God. In God. And have God alive in us. What a re reality. What a truth, my God. Precious Spirit of God. Guide us into these realities. Kofala sai veredia. Oh, farana sanda gredia. Cause our life to come under the governorship of the Lord, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Woo! Glory to God. Glory, glory to God. We bless your name. We bless your name, dear Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Father. Thank you, precious Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I think we'll stop here for today. I hope this message blessed you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You can give your offerings and your tithes right now. And I'll bless them. Let me just bless them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that your word is truth. And that if we do not deviate from your word, you, you watch over your word to perform, and you'll perform your word over our lives. Perform the word of finances, the word of giving and receiving, sowing and reaping over our lives. I bless every offering right now given to you from the free will offerings of your children. 
I ask in the name of Jesus that you receive it as a sweet smelling sacrifice. I ask that, oh my father, the blessing of a tither, that the blessing that fell upon Abraham when he gave his tenth unto Melchizedek, I, I pray it falls upon your children. I pray, oh God, that you open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that they do not have room enough to receive. I ask that the devourer be rebuked in their lives and I ask that their fields and their barns be filled with plenty. They may be blessed, that they may be the head and not the tail. I ask the grace of the giver to come upon your children, to help them and cause them to be self-sufficient in every good work. I give you praise, I give you thanks. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You're blessed. Glory to God. Now you can give your offerings, you can give your tithes, and God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I, I hope you're blessed. I hope this message has really blessed you. I, I'm really trying to get into it and build it uh, for you. Praise God. And get and build it for you. Uh, you know, the Bible says precept upon precept, line upon line. Until God's people really assimilate this truth into them. I hope you had a great word. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday and your week ahead. I'll give instructions um, for whatever activities there might be uh, this week. Uh, hope you have a great one. God bless you. Good night.